Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. Welcome to the February 19th edition of Homeschooling Helps with Andrea Schwartz. That's me. And the other lady that you see is Nancy Wilk, my co-host. And today, hey, hey, today we're going to introduce the idea of the doctrine of redemption as the basis of true education. And you're just going to have to stop right there because redemption, redemption is something that you do with your greenback stamps. You know, like you save stamps from the grocery store when I was a kid and you have to have thousands and thousands and thousands of them and you put them in little books and you take them to this redemption store and then you exchange your stamps for a little something. Or you go to the, if you ever have to put something in the pawn shop, you have like a certain number of days to redeem it. And so what does redemption have to do with our doctrine? That, that's a big question. That's a big question. And um, so, yeah, what does that, ha- what does that have to do with uh, anything? Okay, so redeeming something is buying something back. And so this is why it's important to have a basis on which you view life. Now, most Christians will say, well, of course, I base things on the Bible. And... Mm-hmm. My guess is, in part, they do. But if you don't look at the entire story of Scripture as a redemption story, asking the question, why did somebody need to be redeemed? Why did somebody need to be bought back? Many times the Scripture refers to us as having been bought by the blood of Jesus. So the whole idea of Calvary was a redemption process whereby man who had fallen out of fellowship with God had to be restored to fellowship. And the Bible tells us that's through Jesus Christ. So in a very real sense, Jesus's life ministry and crucifixion was all about the purchase price to buy his elect back. Does that make sense? It does. It it does make sense. But I, I want you to realize that a lot of our listeners may have been invited to follow Jesus as if this is an invitation to a party that we can just pencil in our calendar, take a look and see if anything comes up that's more fun and and decide if we're going to do this or not. So if you think about the our need for redemption versus an invitation to follow Jesus. Those were like totally opposite things. And here comes the train. So you get to talk next. Okay. So that's a crucial aspect of what we're talking about here, because if you don't know that you're enslaved, if you don't know that you're imprisoned, then there's no reason to be released. There's no reason to seek release. If it's just a question, maybe we should uh, mute you here a little bit, Nancy. Um, I guess I don't care. Anyway, um, if we uh, don't realize our need for this, 
then it looks like a choice I can make that's just a better choice than other things. I can either spend my Sundays going to church or I can spend my Saturday night going to a bar and then sleeping on Sunday morning, getting over my hangover. Um, if that's how Christianity is presented to people, it's no wonder that they miss the, the most crucial aspect of who they are as people and their need for a savior. You know, I've heard it described that if you're in a pool of water and the person on the outside sees you're drowning, but you don't know it yet, you go in to save them. They may say, leave me alone. I don't need, I'm, I'm swimming here. Why are you interrupting my swim? So from the beginning of the scripture, we hear that God created and he liked his creation and called it good. And then within the context of that creation, God said, these are the requirements in terms of remaining in fellowship. And they were very easy requirements, quite frankly. If you could have anything you wanted to eat with the exception of one thing, and then you go and eat that one thing, that's the most obvious way of demonstrating you're not in authority. I'm the one who's going to be in charge here. So every bit of scripture comes down to the fact that without Jesus, there is no truth, there is no way, and there is no life. And whereas a lot of people homeschool because they want better academics for their children, or they want to keep them away from perversions and exposure to perversions, too much of homeschooling is a reaction against the stuff we don't like, as opposed to true education, a true foundation in all men's need of a savior. Right. Okay. So whereas those other things are good ideas and, and we would encourage people to say, well, you don't want your children at four or five years old being exposed to things the Bible calls an abomination. You want them to be able to look at when they grow up that they're going to be happy with God creating them as a man or a woman, right? So these are good reasons not to subject your children to such things. Mm -hmm. But if we really want to produce ambassadors for Jesus Christ, soldiers of the cross, they better be aware of the fact of the war they're involved in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that there's a lot, there's a lot of um, freedom. There's a lot of liberty in Christ, but it comes within these, within these boundaries. So there are some things that we're going to get to choose and there are some things that we don't. And the fact that God has, um, chosen us to uh, bear witness to his truth and to be uh, um, that he's called us to himself and um, a demonstration of his redemption and mercy. I mean, those are things that we have to take very seriously and teach our children so that they don't think they can grow up and decide for themselves later on what they want to what uh, what they think about God. And even more importantly than that, since many people come to faith as adults, they've got to go back and re-examine their education in terms of redemption. If Jesus Christ is not the way, the truth, and the life, if Jesus Christ is not the author of our faith, if Jesus Christ is not the word made flesh and wasn't as we were learning, 
then the first step to be a good parent and a good home educator is to be sure you're standing on solid ground and not just giving lip service to Jesus is my savior. Yeah, he died for my sins. We need to understand every aspect of history, science, politics, any view of literature at any time in terms of what's their redemptive message and who Jesus Christ is. There, there's a lot to that. You know, there really is a lot to that. And it might take folks a really a while to, you know, just just for that idea to, to saturate, you know, because we're kind of like dry sponges, you know, and it takes a little while for these things to really, you know, uh, for us to really soak these things up. And when we're in churches or um, curriculum that is so dry of the true um, water of life, then it's we don't need to we can't be surprised. Don't be surprised. I want my listeners to know not to be surprised if they haven't heard these things before. It's OK. You know. Start where you are and home education permits everybody in the family to learn and to grow and to reexamine these things. It's not just for the children, but for the parents as well. All right. We have a comment from one of our viewers. Charles okay. says, when my wife and I were homeschooling our daughters, I always emphasized to anyone who asked why that is it had nothing to do with drugs and sex and government schools. It had to do with two things that Almighty God has changed us as parents with teaching mm -hmm. our children and that the state has no business whatsoever with educating my children. Amen. Now that may seem radical to the uninitiated, but the Bible fully supports that view. And lately in the news, we've been hearing that there are certain elements of the political scene that want the Bible to be taught in public schools. And unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians who will think this is a great idea that we're returning to something positive. But ask yourself the question, if Bible just becomes another subject, then it means that it's open to interpretation. And who's going to be teaching that Bible? And, and how much of the Bible are they going to say is God's inerrant word or not? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there are a lot of homeschooling families that are sort of lukewarmish in terms of every area of life and thought needs to be subject to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Right. Um, they think those are just radical words. And why do you have to get so political as if, since politics has to do with government, that Jesus Christ has no place in government? If mm -hmm. he's not one who's over government, all forms of government from self-government to civil government, then he's not really God. Right. Right. And we've talked before about how these things have to be, you know, we, we can't just put, put God off in this church box or save him for eternity. You know, he has spoken about all these things. He's created all these things. He's created time. He's, he is, it's by his preordained purpose that we have the kids that we do and are having these conversations right now. Exactly. Exactly. So, a lot of believers today are not familiar with the creeds of the early church, and there are some churches today that will still use these creeds. The earliest is called the Apostles' Creed, and we started off 
in this series talking a little bit is God as the creator who created all things. Mm -hmm. Well, this was an oath that believers took, converts took, saying we are now identifying with Christianity as opposed to the pagan religions we came out of. And the Apostles' Creed is Trinitarian in as much as it talks about one God, but three persons in one God. And this is what it has to say about Jesus Christ. And this very much governs the viewpoint in terms of redemption and the doctrine of redemption throughout the curriculum. So let me read this. It okay. says, Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Wow. Okay, so I, I gotta I gotta tell you, I know those words from being raised as a child and and going with my grandma to the Catholic Church. But my children were all raised in more of a um, evangelical church, Southern Baptist church. When my 35-year-old daughter heard that, she said, what? Jesus went to hell? She'd never, ever heard those things. And I didn't realize that she would not be familiar with that because it's not something that is taught. So what you just said is this was an oath that that people, they didn't just get baptized. They didn't just join the church. They had to say, this is what we believe. That's, right. that's, that's huge because sometimes nowadays all you have to believe is that Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. So there's, there's some specifics here that we really need to understand in terms of covenant. That's a contract. So we wouldn't sign a contract if we hadn't read it and understand what that means. Unless you're a congressman and then you have to pass it in order to know what it's <laughs> And then they're so big, you don't know what it means anyway. So, right, right. So. so the point you're making is a valid one. Modern Christianity presents Jesus as the best option. Mm -hmm. Whereas an oath of allegiance says, God has promises, but part and parcel of being a member of the covenant means that there are certain things I have to agree with um, in order to be considered a member of this covenant. And so, for example, you said nobody enters into a covenant uh, you know, unless they read it. Well, maybe today we don't read all the fine print, but we know if we're purchasing a car or purchasing a house that mm -hmm. there are certain payments that have to be made. And if they don't get made, certain things happen. And there are certain things that we can and we can't expect from this transaction. After somebody sells me their house, five years, they can't come back and say, I changed my mind. I, I want it back. We've actually had a transaction. And redemption is a transaction. People have act like, oh, that's just so materialistic and, and, and you know, not spiritual enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Bible is extremely materialistic because you see when God created us with flesh and bones and, and a circulatory system and a nervous system, he said this was good. He didn't say that was bad. I'm only going to focus on their mind or their heart because we're a unity. And that oh, unity yeah. is what needs a savior, not just our mind, not just our body, not just 
um, you know, our emotions as a unity, we need to understand everything that has transpired in terms of the idea that man has fallen and man needs a savior. That's, I'm a little bit distracted. We're getting another train, but that is huge. I want you to talk about that some more because you know, that the history of that is, is something quite disconnected from a lot of, a lot of people that would count themselves Christian and even be solid, you know, regular church men and women. We don't connect these things. That's really important to do that. So, like I said, we're getting another train. You might want to mute me. I don't know that I can, you. I'm going to have to figure that one out. But uh, anyway, we'll have to just maybe you'll lower your volume and so that you can't, people can't hear it. Anyway, um, the goal here is this is funny. We'll have to wait. Okay, there you go. Um, the goal here is to produce believers, whether adult believers or children who will grow into adults with the understanding that there are things we have the ability to choose, but there are some things that we don't have an option. So if we're talking about free will, I'm not free to be five inches shorter than I am. I'm not free to have been born in a different country than where God placed me. And I'm not free to overturn the rules of life. And what I like to tell my students is that you can't ever get away from God's law. Oh, you can choose to personally defy it and say, I don't have to listen to it. But you know what? You don't escape the consequences of failing to um, obey God. When you don't obey God, you are going to experiencing the curses, whether personally, in your family, in your society, in the culture in general. And so I really encourage people to get a foundation of um, the idea that every aspect of life has part of this redemption story weaved into it. And if we don't acknowledge that, then we're really teaching something else. Right. Another aspect of the redemption story, I, I may be getting ahead of you, but another aspect of that redemption story is that it's not just about me. It's not just about you. It's not just about the individuals. Well, it's part of it. But the redemption story is about everything. God's whole creation being put back into proper order. Right. right? In a way that we sometimes miss if we think it's just about, about me going to heaven after I die. Right. So I think it was last week we were talking about making sure that you posit success and victory in your endeavors as a homeschooling family or family in general. That's part of this redemption story. If we don't really believe that we've been purchased and that we are on the victorious side, then we're going to constantly be looking at ways to accommodate, accommodate other points of view. Well, there's some points of view that the Bible is so clear about and so obviously stating that people are in need of deliverance from these sins. And we would include sexual orientation. We would include what marriage is and it isn't. We would include whether or not um, somebody can kill a baby in the womb. These are non-negotiable items. And too much of the modern church has decided we need to build bridges. And I've said before, 
Yeah, we build bridges, but unfortunately we cross over the bridge to the other side and never stay on our side or encourage people to come and find out the truth. So the most loving thing you can do for anyone is to acquaint them with the fact that they're hopelessly lost apart from Jesus Christ. And those who have ears to hear will respond. And that's how we should approach our children. We don't know God's plan for all of them in eternity or for all of time. But we do know this. We know that he placed them in our family. And that's a responsibility that he gives us. And it's our job to find the appropriate ways to convey it. So obviously you'll convey it differently if you have a child from the time this child's been born, this is the environment in which he grows up. It's a lot different if you decided to homeschool when your child is 12 or 13 years old, there's a lot of baggage that's gonna come with the statist education. So right. rather than catching up academically, way more important to get on a good footing with regards to what is our faith? What does the Bible say about us in society? And what are the duties that God gives us? What are the responsibilities? Right, right. That's one of the things that I like to um, to offer uh, the moms that I get to mentor is to have an old gray hair that, that, it, that can just grab you by the shoulders on occasion whenever you need it and remind you what it is you're supposed to be doing here, you know, because we can really forget and get so tossed around and distracted by all the different um, options in this, you know, maybe it's this and maybe it's that, maybe it's something else. If we don't go and look at what God says is true, then we don't have his purpose and direction and confidence to move forward in the way that we, um, that we should be. Right. That's why when women come to me who say, I think I'm going to homeschool, but I want to wait until I'm prepared. My encouragement is the desire to do it is sufficient to get started. It is. It is. And if you feel ill prepared, that's why I, under the auspices of Calcedon, started the Calcedon Teacher Training Institute. It's a way in which for moms, specifically, but dads do it too, but for moms to be able to study biblical law at their pace, which accomplishes a couple of things. As they learn, they can apply it. Right. Also, as they learn, they'll have greater empathy for their students because they too are being a student. I think every teacher should always be a student at something. Right. If you think you know everything, well, first of all, you don't. But second of all, find something to learn that is totally new, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, an athletic activity or a new language or um, learning about something that you've never been exposed to, because it gives you the opportunity to remember what it's like not to have all the answers and to have lots of questions. And right. that's the mark of a good student, right? So as moms are going through biblical law, I've had more than one tell me after the first chapter, oh, it made such an important difference. I really am so totally differently oriented to how I approach my children. Well, the first commandment is all about loving God and not having other gods before him. So that's a great place to start because we're right back to where we started in this discussion about the idea of the need for redemption. Right. If, if you don't know you're in the pawn shop, 
<laughs> if yeah. you don't know that this is not where you're supposed to be, then mm -hmm. um, what you end up with is a very confused view of everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not green stamps that springs us, you know, out of that redemption center. It's the blood of Christ. We belong to him. And if we teach our children, if, if that's not part of our curriculum, part of our thinking and attitude that that we belong to God and he has ordered things and he's got um, purpose for us here. And mm -hmm. then if we if we let them think that if this is something that they can decide later on, then we will have missed our responsibility to train them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Exactly. So let me make a recommendation. I do recommend that people go to the Chalcedon Teacher Training Institute.com or CTTI.org and look around and explore it. There is no charge for the service, although we do encourage donations. But let me say for people who are like, okay, I want to get started. I want to be on the right footing, but I've already bought a bunch of curriculum. I don't know what to do. Here's my recommendation. There are yeah. three volumes. Good Morning Friends, Volume 1, 2, and 3. They're sold as a set at Calcedon. I suggest you use them for family devotions or for a devotion before a meal. Most mm -hmm. homeschooling families are going to have one, two, or three meals together in some way, shape, or form since they're at home. And what they can do is use these short entries in these books. Um, it will get you through a number of months. I know some families that recycle them and they go through them again. And I know that uh, my husband and I have used them for our family devotion just for the two of us. It's where you get the orientation of how much we have to be grateful for. And the doctrine of redemption should very much spur us on to be grateful for what we've received because the doctrine of redemption says we couldn't do it for ourselves. Right. Right. It, it means that, that we've not just been forgiven as if um, it was just excused forgiveness that we have received in Christ is not that our sins are excused. It's that they have been paid for. Exactly. That we belong to him now. And that is, a, that's a huge, huge difference for me. When I, when I started getting that, it was like, whoo, you know, I, he didn't just he didn't just say, ah, that's all right. He paid for it. He paid for it with his blood out of necessity because of the law of God. A lot of times we think the law of God doesn't apply anymore. We know that it does. If it weren't for that law that we violated, we wouldn't we wouldn't be um, in need of redemption. And our society is grossly in need of redemption, but it's not going to happen from the top down. It's going to happen from the bottom up. People are going to change. They'll change in their families. Their families will change. Their communities, their churches will change. And eventually you will have a society that will not tolerate much of what people bemoan today. If you don't have a solution, all you can do is complain. and. The Bible gives us a solution, but you're not going to see the solution unless you identify the problem. Right. Another thing, I'm going to say this real quick because another train's coming. It's a busy day. But I went to um, a conference in Alabama in the summer that talked about the difference 
Mitch, we're going to have to wait. Hold on. Let that train pass. This okay. sounds good. So we'll we'll deal with live live uh, on Facebook. This is, involves this trains. is live, you know. Um, so we were talking about the difference between um, biblical charity and humanitarian aid. A lot of times we approach our our community more in terms of humanitarian aid instead of biblical charity. It's only the redeemed man. It's only those of us who have legitimately the um, the Holy Spirit and the word of God that can bring the gospel. Anybody can dig a well. Anybody can can serve soup. But it's it's the believers, genuine believers that can bring the gospel and make disciples. And that is that's something that is we can't overlook, you know. Right. That's not to say that helping people who have been at the effect of a flood or a fire, but if we help them and we do not share this need for redemption and as our children minister with us and whatever, if that's not the first thing on our tongue and we're worried about, I don't want to offend. Well, I got news for everybody. We're already told that the Bible and the gospel is offensive. Mm hmm. Yeah. You know, I was offended when somebody shared it with me. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? I'm hopelessly lost and there's nothing I could personally do about it. And I have to surrender to the will and wisdom and authority of Jesus Christ. It didn't go over well with, with sinful Andrea, mm -hmm. but praise be to God that the Holy Spirit changes us. Right. And if it's not obvious to those who come in contact with us that we are approaching them as salt and light, then we're not really doing our jobs. And if that's not our goal, that's not the measure of success with our children. Mm -hmm. Are they ready to share the love of Jesus Christ and the justice of Jesus Christ and the law of Jesus Christ? If they're not, then we got work to do. Right. Because we're called to advance the kingdom, not just to perform random acts of kindness. Right. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, um, I'm looking over here. Yep. The other notes I had is it matters what people think about Jesus. He's the cornerstone and failing to make Christ the basis of the particulars of education leaves a hole for something else to replace it. So either Jesus is Lord of all, or is Lord of all, or he's just Lord of some. And if he's just yeah. Lord of some, he's not Lord at all. Correct. All right, friend. Well, it's about time for us to be done. Three trains this week where it's okay. a busy day. It's a busy day. Anyway, um, I'm just going to have to figure out how to mute you during the train time, but uh, we'll work on that. All right. Thank you, ma'am. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to next week. Same here. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.